Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology Out of the Ivory Tower and Back into the Hands of the Invisible Church Welcome to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint. Thank you so much for listening. Today I have a very special guest. I have the Oklahoma State Senator, Mr. Joseph Silk. Say hi to everybody, Joe. Hey, everybody. Joe, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, um, how long you've been uh, doing what you're doing, uh, what you do on the side, talk about your family a little bit, and maybe uh, give a little brief, uh, you know, introduce your testimony a little bit. Very good. Awesome. Well, yeah, like you said, I'm a, I'm a state senator here in Oklahoma. I represent about the, the far five southeastern counties of the state. Uh, I've been, this is my fourth year uh, being a state senator, and uh, my, my real, what I call my real job is I, have a, I own a property management business down here that we, we just manage luxury vacation cabins for people. I've been doing that for about eight years, and before that I was on the Coast Guard and uh, did some college. Uh, me and my wife, Kimberly, have been married for 11 years. And we have got seven kids, uh, ranging from mm-hmm. our oldest is ten, and our youngest is six months old. So they're uh, they're they sure are our crew. Yeah. And then uh, so I we bet. we got married pretty young uh, in college, and it's been a it's been a great marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a I've been a Christian, a follower of Jesus since I was nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually grew up as a missionary kid, and so I was actually saved down in uh, Durango, Mexico, when we were my parents were out on the mission field. So um, been a been a follower of Christ basically my whole life, as long as I can remember, and uh, so that's kind of where we're at right now. All right, okay, cool. Well, praise the Lord. Um, you know, uh, this that is especially relevant to what we're talking about today, um, uh, especially when you said, you know, have seven children. You know, somebody's got to be having all the children around here. We're, we're you know, we're killing all of our kids. Kids, uh, I always get excited whenever I hear someone has more than two, you know, more than 2.1 to replace the, the population rate. So I always get excited, you know, coming from a big family myself, I can relate. I, you know, I got five brothers and three sisters, so I know what it's like. Yeah. So um, the reason that I asked Joe to be on the show today, uh, a few weeks ago, I went down to uh, the Dan Fisher campaign. A lot of my friends are abolitionists. A lot of them were there. Um, I heard a lot of good stories from a bunch of speakers that went up and talked about, you know, abolitionism and the need for it, uh, you know, the desire to see it implemented into uh, our culture, the desire, desire to see child sacrifice ended completely with absolutely uh, no compromise uh, treat abortion as murder. These are image bearers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we need to absolutely see this horrible thing done away with in this generation. We want to see it done away now. We don't want to see it done away later. We want to see it uh, done away now. We had a lot of good speakers up there talking about how it was actually a Republican majority that allowed Roe versus Wade to come into place uh, and uh, you know to be enacted, frankly. And, you know, a lot of good and interesting stories. One of the speakers was Joe Silk, and when Joe Silk got up there, um, he told a very interesting story. I don't want to spoil it for you, but this is pretty much the reason why I have eschewed uh, this story and others like it is the reason why I have eschewed the term pro-life. I no longer identify as a pro-life or identify as an abolitionist. Joe, I believe you do the same. Oh, absolutely. I do. Uh, the pro-life movement is, uh, has got to go away and we've got to, uh, you know, us Bible-believing Christ followers have got to uh, turn to abolitionism because that's the that's the only biblical way uh, to approach this issue. I believe. Yes, I, I believe you're 100 percent correct. Okay, so look, if you would be able to just relate the story of of what happened to you uh, when you tried to introduce a bill of abolitionism, go ahead and uh, relate that story like you did at the conference because that was uh, just an incredible story. I want my listeners to hear it if you'd like. 
uh, when I was first elected in 2014, and uh, so my first year, 2015, I went up there, and I and I was your typical pro-life guy, uh, and I say that, you know, I got excited about the incremental type bills, you know, heartbeat bill, or, you know, you can't kill your baby because it, you know, has Down syndrome, or you can't kill your baby because it's a certain gender, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went up there, and I actually introduced a, a typical pro-life bill my first year up there, and and uh, the president for Oklahomans uh, for Life, uh, Tony Lowinger, who's also the vice president for, uh, uh, I think, Americans United for Life or another pro-life organization, he got with me and he was kind of expressing some concern about that, my, my uh, you know, abortion bill, my, my pro-life bill. And so, you know, being a new guy, I was like, well, okay, we'll just, uh, we'll just, I just won't hear the bill. And, and I, I thought it was kind of odd that, you know, a freshman legislator uh, authors a, a pro-life bill and, here the pro-life organization doesn't really like it yeah. um so the second year i uh, i introduced a bill uh, a heartbeat bill basically where you couldn't uh you know you couldn't commit an abortion if there was a, de- a detectable heartbeat mm-hmm. and the summer before that i actually went around to uh to the churches in my district and gathered some grassroots support to help kind of work the bill through and uh so I did that, and the same thing happened. The pro-life organization came to me, had a lot of conversations, and said, "Hey, this this bill, you know, this this isn't really what we want to go for." And this is just and, a heartbeat bill. Time, this is just yeah, a heartbeat. Ahead. This is just a heartbeat bill. Right. No. Oh, yeah. Wow. This bill was. Uh, uh, this was just a bill that literally said you can't uh, perform an abortion if there's a detectable heartbeat. So you're talking, you know, anywhere from you know six weeks. Of, older or younger, you know, that they would still be eligible, I guess you could say, to, yes. to be murdered, essentially. Yeah, right. And so, uh, so, yeah, it was just a regular heartbeat bill, and pro-life organization came, and they didn't like it. And by this time, I was like, okay, <laughs> you, this is, you know, shady political stuff. We're yeah. doing this one. And uh, and so we actually passed it through committee, and then then before it was, uh, it was, it was scheduled to be heard on the floor, and uh, I get, actually got with a guy uh, from a real good conservative group here in Oklahoma, and he said, "Hey, I've got some guys I want you to meet." And uh, so I was like, "Well, yeah, come. We'll meet at the at my office at the Capitol." And, and so I, that was when I first met uh, some of the abolitionist guys, uh, Russell Hunter, um, and then Josh, I believe Malone, and they just came in and <clears throat> they said, "Hey, we wanted to talk to you about you know, kind of this whole idea." And I don't even know how they got really hooked up with me and stuff, but. Anyway, so we had to start having a conversation. Yeah. And it was, it was literally about five or ten minutes into the conversation that it was like a light bulb just came on. Wow. And I'm just like, oh, wow. The whole pro-life movement has been an absolute, utter waste of time. Yeah. And more than that, it's actually very unbiblical. Uh, it's a very unbiblical way to treat murder, essentially. Yes. And so, I mean, it was, it was a complete paradigm shift for me immediately and and i thought that people would you know kind of you know if i could explain it to them they'd follow suit Um, (laughs) apparently i was wrong so anyway so what we did is we took the heartbeat language we amended the language and offered a floor substitute which was completely in the rules for me to do and uh, and i called leadership about a week later and i said hey i want you to know i got this pro-life bill it's different, um, and, you know, just gave them a heads up, and they said, okay, that's fine, we'll hear it on Monday morning. Um, so Monday morning shows up, I get up there at the Capitol, and uh, there was a lot of people there uh, lobbying for the bill, and uh, I go up to leadership on the floor, I'm like, hey, I'm ready to, you know, pr- present, you know, the, the, the pro-life bill, which at that time was Senate Bill 
eleven eighteen. Yes. And uh, and he turned around the the four leader at the time, and he was he was literally so angry. Oh wow! Uh, his his face was beat red. Wow! And he said, "Well, you you stirred up a hornet's nest on that one." And mm. I was like, "Well, that's." I was like, I don't really understand. He's like, I think the pro Tim, who's the leader of the Senate, wants to talk to you in his office. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. Let's let's get together and talk. And and the whole weird thing about this is Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, there's 48 senators, uh, state senators, and 40 at that time, 42 of them were Republican. Wow, pro life Republican. Oh my goodness. So here you have a bill that I oh. just thought would kind of this is what everybody's been wanting. Of course. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> What happened, you know, when the pro tem comes over, hey, let's talk. We go into his office with the pro tem, the floor leader, and then kind of one of the guys that usually runs the pro, uh, pro-life pro legislation. And um, they were like, hey, you know, what happened to the heartbeat bill? And I was like, well, and I explained it to him. I said, well, the, the, the you know, the, <laughs> the kids that don't have a heartbeat when they're in the womb, yeah. they're still, that's still alive. Yes. So I just, let's, let's protect everybody equally. And they kind of just, they would look at each other and they'd be like, well, you do realize Oklahoma's the most pro-life state in the union. And I said, well, <laughs> yeah, I understand that, but we still kill like 6,000 babies a year. And this, yeah. this piece of legislation would end that. And they're like, well, we, we just think it goes too far. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, the, so the little meeting that I had with leadership went down. I mean, it went south real fast. Yeah. They just, they could, they could not understand what I was saying. And I guess I may have been having a hard time is explaining something as simple as that, but I was like, this would end abortion. Do you guys understand that? Yeah. And they would just, well, it just goes too far. And the crazy thing is that day, uh, Tony Lowinger, again, uh, the, the big pro-life guy that everybody looks to, uh, he actually was going office to office in the Senate, passing out a letter in opposition oh, to man. Senate Bill 1118, which would have been, actually ended abortion in Oklahoma. So he was fighting against that bill. Wow. And that, that I mean, I had already had the, the complete change of ideology. Yes. But when that completely set it in stone and my eyes were completely open to, oh my gosh, look at what the pro-life industry is doing. I, so that's kind of, wow. and, and ever since then, I've, I've authored an abolition bill and they refused to hear it. Uh, but that's kind of the, the story in a nutshell. Wow. I, I remember the day when I became an abolitionist. I was watching uh, Russell Hunter confront, uh, I forget who it was, um, the, the big pro-life lobbyist in Oklahoma. And you know, it was that was that Lowinger. Yeah, no, yeah. that was Tony Lowinger. Yeah, yeah. I, that was the day I became an abolitionist when I saw him confront him and say, "Why aren't you changing this?" And then, and then Lowinger started nickel and diming him on, on like, "Well, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that." And, and that's when the blindfold completely came off. And when you when you told that story again, of how you tried to introduce that, and it was, you know, I, I, I'm telling a lot of the, my pro life friends, you know, because I'm not angry at pro lifers. I'm angry at the leadership of the pro-life movement. I do get angry at pro-lifers when I start to confront them about this and they start justifying it. That's when I start to get angry. But I think most of the uh, pro-lifers out there are actually abolitionists. They just don't know it. And they think the pro-life leadership are abolitionists. Um, but, you know, stories like what you're telling me here and what, you know, Russell have done and other people like in Texas, um, you know, the, the stories that they're communicating to me is, is telling me very quickly, no, no, they're, they're not abolitionists. They, they're, they're just pro-choice light. Right. No, no, that's exactly right. And that's what we see. And, and people don't understand. It's, it's, it's very sickening uh, when you start to understand it. But what you said is very true. What happens is 
the majority, I would safely say the majority of the pro-life leaders in this nation do not actually want to end abortion. Uh, they don't. And, and I, I encourage everybody, hey, get, go to your state or whatever life organization that you're with and yeah. say, hey, would you guys actively support a bill that classifies abortion as murder? Well, first, that it classifies life beginning at conception. Yes. And the taking of that life is murder, and it should be treated and tried as murder. And you will not get a definite answer. Yeah. You will immediately, they'll start kind of backing up and, and kind of skirting, skirting the question. And that right there shows you they're not actually interested in ending abortion. Right. That's why, we, that's why we've been continuing to do this for, you know, 43 plus years. Yes. Okay. And what do you think, Joe, what do you think they're defending when they're, when they're trying to skirt the issue? What do you think, what do you think this is all about? Well, I, I personally, I think it's a money thing. Okay. Um, I know that's really sick, but but when you look at it, you have, and here Oklahoma is a classic example because here you have, uh, now there's 40 Republican state senators, uh, or 38 or something. There, I mean, the, the, we have a super majority of pro-life, yes. uh, you know, Republican, let's, let's get this done deal. And you can't even get an abolition bill heard yeah. that would actually end abortion. Yeah. And so what it is, is the pro-life organizations like Tony Lowinger and, and his organizations, they offer very easy, basically, you know, not controversial votes like, hey, let's, uh, you know, a 20-week abortion ban or, or you can't kill your baby because it has Down syndrome and so on and so forth. So that's what, that's what they present to the legislature. Yeah. The legislature picks it up, takes it. It's a pretty easy vote, uh, you know, because it really doesn't do anything, honestly. And then they go back to their constituents and say, look at how pro-life I am. We passed this bill. Yeah. And so, and you know, they get campaign contributions. The pro-life organizations continue to, to receive financial support. But the core of it is it's not ending abortion. And the goal is really not to end abortion for those people. Yes. And that's, that's the big issue. That, that's becoming more and more evident as time goes on. You know, we have optimal circumstances, um, you know, like we have the best of circumstances. We have this massive pro-life majority and we can't even end abortion. And, and like that, that lie that's being circulated, well, if we just get enough pro-life people into Congress, if we just get enough pro-life people, if we get enough Republicans, that, that is just becoming more and more evident that that is just a crock of bull. You know, that, that is just, they're not interested in ending abortion. Now, did you get, uh, I'm not sure, was it you or was it somebody else who introduced a, ba- a bill of ab- uh, abolition? Did, were you, did you get death threats for that? No, okay. I, I did. I, I, I've, I've received death threats every year, uh, and okay. I know I know the guy in Texas. He has received death threats also for for actually introducing bills that would literally, you know, end abortion. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of almost a common commonplace now. Okay. All right. So that's not not really much of a big deal, I guess. A very right. commonplace. Okay. So what do you think about the term pro-life? And I, I saw a friend of mine argue on Facebook. He says, I'm pro-life. I'm proudly pro-life. I'm an abolitionist, but I'm not getting rid of the title. Do you think that we should try to redeem the title or do you think it's time to move on to a new one? No, we got to move on to a new one okay. because you'll, the, the problem is the term pro-life has been ingrained for, you know, 40 plus years. Okay. And what that, what that, that term and that definition really means is incrementalism uh, and, and, and just bills that really just regulate uh, murder is really essentially what it is. And that's why that term 
we just need to, we just need to let the pro-lifers be pro-life. Yeah. And then as, as abolitionists say, okay, pro-lifers are doing it completely wrong. Yeah. And we know that because forty plus years have gone by and we're still killing babies. Right. And so yes. abolitionism is the only possible way to get this done. Okay. Um, now, should we, I was talking with my my pastor uh, about this, and he brought up an interesting question. Should you know the 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 bills that do get passed, you can't kill it if it has a heartbeat, you know, and you'd argue before that you could kill it if it had a heartbeat. Should we celebrate those victories or should we, you know, what do you think our attitude should be? I mean, are they victories and should we celebrate them? What do you think our attitude should be to, towards the legislation that that does look like it makes some sort of, you know, have some sort of impact? You know, what do you think about those? Yeah, and that's a great question. And, and it's a very important question because the, the reality is, those are not victories. Okay. Those are actually those are actually defeats because okay. what those bills do is it it actually codifies into law the Supreme Court ruling of Roe v. Wade, oh, which okay. which you should never do as a legislature. You should be like, listen, Roe v. Wade. That was the court's opinion. They were wrong. It's the state's right to stand up and protect unborn yes. children. Okay. Well, what happens is when you have those bills like you're addressing. What that does is it literally shores up and actually codifies that abortion's okay, mm-hmm. and we as the state legislature are just going to do everything we can around it. And that's and so so for a good example of that is, is my my abolition bills. They go in and they literally repeal all of the pro life legislation. So they repeal the heartbeat language. Yes. They repeal the sonogram language. They repeal all of that and get it out of the statutes. Yes, that. And that, that just makes pro-lifers just livid because that's that's their little baby. Yeah. But what they don't understand yeah. is that that in itself is prohibiting the end of abortion. Mm. Wow. And, you know, I remember you talked about that, too. One of the reasons that was one of the reasons that they said we can't we can't get rid. We can't implement abolition because it gets rid of my bill. Right. No, I you're exactly. I had a guy because uh, during that day uh, that I had just described, whenever Senate leadership refused to bring the abolition bill uh, to the floor, I, I had a letter uh, from other senators were signing it saying, "Bring this bill to the floor." And I went to one guy and I said, "Hey, uh, one, one a senator from here in Oklahoma," and I said, "Hey, would you sign this letter to to get this abolition bill to the floor?" And he said, "No, I'm not going to sign that." He said, "You know, four years ago." He'd put in some type of, uh, I don't know, some type of sonic ultrasound language or something uh, that basically mandated a woman see an ultrasound before she commits abortion. Right. And he said, that your bill repeals mine. Mm-hmm. And so he, he wouldn't do it, and it really made him mad. And I said, but you don't understand. If we pass this bill, we don't need that anymore. Right. Yeah. And so, but, yeah, and he, he still, he, he wouldn't sign the letter. That- that to me is, is is just insane. That tells you everything you need to know. This is not about saving children's lives. It's about money. It's about protecting and building my own little kingdom at the expense of human lives. Now, I mean, that is just, it's just insane. But you know what? After 40-plus years, it's all starting to make sense. The veil is coming off by the grace of the Lord. Right. It's taken us too long for it to come off. We should have demanded abolition right away. And, uh, you know, I, I wish the pastors of this nation, the people of this nation, would realize that the spirits and the, the spirit and the gifts are ours, you know, and we have the power to end this madness if we would just believe that, uh, you know, the, the church will be in vic- victorious through Jesus Christ in time and history. Now, 
what what do you have a message? Uh, do you have a message to pro-lifers? I mean, if if I if there was pro-lifers sitting around, what would you say to them? Well, I talk to them all the time, and I and I really just try to explain it. I say, listen, do you believe that life begins at the moment of conception? Mm-hmm. Many of them, most of them, say yes. I say, okay. The next question is then. Is the intentional killing or the intentional taking of that life murder? And they cannot answer that question. They never can. And so to all those typical pro-lifers out there, I say you need to really question your beliefs on life beginning at conception and is it our duty to protect that life? Because if it is, the pro-life movement is doing it completely wrong. And if you're a Christian, a follower of Christ, I would have to say that the, the typical incrementalism pro-life legislation is actually completely unbiblical. Yes. Because I, I know that the Jesus that I read about in the Bible and that, that is actually portrayed in the Bible, yeah. he would never be like, well, let's just take one step at a time yeah. while we continue to kill <laughs> millions of innocent lives. Yes. Because God, and he hates the shedding of innocent blood. Amen. So he is a God. His character and then and Jesus' character would be the immediate abolition and the, the immediate stopping of, of of murder and that's that's our our that's the way we need to go oh man amen um that is so refreshing to hear a politician say that it's actually frankly it's unbelievable um that uh, I'm, I'm actually talking to a state senator saying these things it's it's such a, a wonderful breath of fresh air for me that that there's people out there in office that actually believe this we're praying for you joe one last question what do you think the future looks like as far as abolition is concerned you know did the whole dan fisher campaign running for governor to abolish human abortion in oklahoma what do you think the future looks like you know i think it looks really good and that that's a lot coming for me because i'm usually a pessimist yeah um but I, I would say this just in oklahoma in the past few years since the abolition movement has really kind of gained some attention and gained ground what we see now is there's not a lot of excitement or energy behind these typical pro-life bills okay uh in, in oklahoma at least because now these pro-life bills are kind of like well we know that our bill's really not going to be exciting anymore because here you have these crazy abolitionists that say it's not exciting to just say, well, you can kill a baby this way, but you can't kill a baby this way. Right. So just in the, just in those sh- a few short years, we've seen a dramatic change uh, in, in the attitude of pro-life versus abolitionism. So I would say that if people continue to be very, very active and very vocal and, and even, you know, it, embrace the controversy and just go after it, yes. uh, I think we could really change, in my lifetime, I believe that we could change the change the course of this nation. Oh, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will. Now, let me quote real quick my man, Joe Salant, who said, um, you know, the, the worst, the worst, uh, you know, the biggest threat, the biggest fear that pro-lifers have is all these crazy abolitionists running around smashing idols for free. They're not asking for your money. They're just out, try, out there trying to end child sacrifice, and they don't want your money. You know, that's like the worst, the biggest enemy to the pro-lifers because they're making so much money off this. So shout out to Joe Salon with that uh, awesome quote, frankly. You know, and, and talking yeah. to you, Joe, it's 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 becoming encouraging to me what's going on all the all the the little battles that 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 guys like you know Russell and Matt and Toby and those guys out there the the you know digging in the trenches we're seeing some major fruit going on um you know I, I'm under the uh, opinion that it's not going to be a top-down solution it's got to start from the ground up um I'm not sure what your opinion uh, is about that I mean what do you think about that Joe do you think it's going to be like if we're going to see about uh, abortion abolished do you think it's got to be from the ground up or do you think it's going to be a top-down solution no, it's definitely going to be from the ground. 
formed uh, okay. by it's going to start with the grassroots movement, yeah. uh, the abolitionists, and and they're gonna, hopefully they can come up and, and, and they've already have influ- you know influenced the legislature. Myself being a perfect example, and and a couple other of my colleagues, they're understanding that. So what? So they're going to influence the state legislature. Hopefully, a state legislature will say, okay abolitionism is the way to go we're not doing it in our state anymore right and then luckily hey trump or or like trump i think trump's the kind of president that would say well it's a state issue anyway and he would let it go okay. and so it would literally start from the grassroots go all the way to the president i think the president would actually uh just step aside and let the states do what they need to do oh by the grace of the lord i i, I hope he would um now uh, one thing that I often say on uh, this show is that, you know, whenever I talk about abolitionism and the need for it in this nation, uh, I often stress that, I, you know, I'm not out there trying to say that you need to stand in front of an abortion mill. And unless you stand in front of an abortion mill or protest, you're not an abolitionist. My, my, my attitude is, could you, could you at least pray for the people who do? Because this, I'm talking to Joe Silk right now. And this is the fruit of these people standing out in front of abortion mills, fighting the battles, these these little, quote-unquote, insignificant battles that the church doesn't really care about, doesn't really, not really fighting, but there are people out there fighting it. And, and a lot of times the first line of defense against abolitionism is the church. I mean, you can't tell me that a lot of these Republican people are not good mem- members in good standing in their churches. You know, and so we got it's the church has got to do something about this. And I'm not saying that unless you're standing on front of abortion, you're not doing anything. But can you pray for the people who do? Uh, can 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 maybe you support them uh, either with your finances or, or with your your prayer? These people, because some people do this full time and, it, and it's not fun. It, it's not easy. Um, but, you know, we're not asking that you stand in front of abortion mill. If you do feel led by the grace of the Lord, I encourage you to do that. But. If you can't, then just pray, because right now, a lot of times people are standing out in front of abortion mills. They're trying to further the cause of abolition, um, you know, further the kingdom of the Lord through abolition. And it's the church getting out there, nickel and diamond them uh, on their on their witnessing tackets and yada, yada, yada. So thank thank the Lord for guys like Joe Silk. Joe, thank you so much for being on my show today. Um, I'm trying to assist you guys in the fight against um, child sacrifice. Uh, by the grace of the Lord, I will use this podcast in my own personal life to do that. Uh, I know I'm friends with a lot of people who do do that. So, again, Joe, thanks so much for being on the uh, show. We'll pr- keep praying for you. Hopefully you guys have uh, continue to have success. Hopefully Dan Fisher uh, continue ha- continues to have success in his run for governor. Yeah, thank you, Luke. All right, Joe, we'll catch you later, man. Thanks for listening, my friends. Be strong and courageous. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology, brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com and thinkandreform.org. Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now 
to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.